The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. Cross green. Cross. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. <laughs> Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to the 64th episode of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I am joined by my co-host out in California, the epicenter of the basketball community, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, we have two real games to talk about. How are you today? Good. Are you bummed we don't get to talk about politics anymore or China anymore? I don't know. I, uh, Shaq had some good comments on China last night, I thought, and how, you know, freedom of speech is an American's, you know, ideal, but also with business issues, like you kind of have to understand that there's more sides to the story. And I was like, hey, Shaq, good on your PR team for like feeding you a good statement, unlike some other professional athletes thus far. Yeah, I, I have a lot more thoughts on that, but let, let's talk about basketball. Let's get deep into it let's do it so lake we'll start let's start with the later game pelicans and and raptors was actually a fun game went to overtime raps i believe won 130 to 122 off the top of my head i should be better than this obviously that was not the main event now that zion is supposedly sidelined six to eight weeks we'll get to that in a minute too but lakers clippers last night zan the battle of you know we had lebron we had Kawhi, we had anthony davis and I got to be totally honest with you. Clippers win 112 to 102. I really wasn't super impressed with the Lakers. I, I just I just wasn't. And it's not that I was so impressed with the Clippers and so impressed with their bench and everything. But as I said before, I think the potential for the Lakers to kind of, I guess, have a lot go wrong is much higher than the Clippers. And then I would feel very comfortable after watching the Clippers last night. Like if you bet on BovadaSportsbook.com for them to win the title, their depth is a big, big deal. And it showed against the Lakers. Their bench outscored the Lakers 60 to 19 last night. And I think like the Lakers are going to have to try to find a way to win games like that because their bench stinks. It's just their bench is just not very good. Yeah. When it started, you know, early game and I'm like, I texted you. I'm like, you know, the Clippers, the starting lineup, they tried it out, you know, without Paul George, you know, you have Beverly and Shamit and, and Patrick Patterson's corpse and, and Zubak played 10 minutes. Um, I'm like, it's probably worse than Toronto's lineup from last year that won the title surrounding Kawhi. And and the difference really is the same difference that like made the Clippers last year as their bench. And like that was something that I was like really curious to see. And that's one of the reasons I was actually a little skeptical about the Clippers this year is the idea of like, can they play the way they did last year? Can they use that same formula? Because you have now two superstars who are like high usage guys can Lou Williams come in and jack up 20 shots a game and do it really efficiently? And without Paul George around, he could. You know, he played 37 minutes. Uh, Montrezl Harrell, Harrell, sorry, played 38 minutes. Um, I don't know if that's going to be like, you know, their finals lineup or their finals like rotation, but the fact that those two guys can keep them chugging for like 48 minutes buys them a lot of time with. Paul George's injury and if Kawhi Leonard needs some rest like they have that like in the tank to use whenever they need it yeah the blueprint for the Clippers seems pretty simple obviously they they did after the game I believe Kawhi played 32 minutes and Doc Rivers did say he was on a minutes limit but yeah you're exactly right I mean Trez 38 minutes Lou Williams 37 minutes they got 30 from Mo Harkless 30 31 from Pat Beverly like they're really good. They're going to add Paul George. They're going to add Rodney Magruder. And obviously Rodney Magruder, I think, will play some as a rotation guy. But they played nine guys last night. Started Patrick Patterson, which was really interesting, Zan, because everything I read before the season was that he was not really practicing with the starters. And it, it sort of ended up, I don't know, I don't know if this was their plan, but it ended up working pretty well for them. I'm sure you saw this. Tom Haberstroh tweeted this morning and Zach Lowe commented on it as well, but or tweeted it Wednesday morning, excuse me. but. Anthony Davis, 17 post-ups. Yeah, that, that was an interesting one. And, and so, and, and Zach Lowe said that Second Spectrum had even more post-ups. And now I don't know, obviously we don't, I don't have a Second Spectrum subscription. It's thousands and thousands of dollars, but 
I don't know if all of them were on the block, but you could tell early in the game, like the Lakers were like, okay, if Patrick Patterson's on the court, we're just going to throw it to Anthony Davis and he's going to score on the block. And I got to be honest with you, if this guy is going to play the four the entire year, like the Lakers are not going to be as good as people think. Like Andy Bailey actually. Andy the Bailey, Lakers are, you're saying if Anthony Davis is the four. Yeah, because like why is that their offense? Like first of all, just play LeBron and Anthony Davis at the four and the five. I know with no Kyle Kuzma, like they're not at full strength. But like just here's just a, a simple analytical stat for you. Andy Bailey, a lot of people know him, Bleacher Report guy, at Andrew D. Bailey on Twitter. He tweeted, over the last three seasons, Anthony Davis has 0.95 points per possessions on 898 post-ups and 1.11 points per possession on 937 rolls. This is three years. It's obviously different teams, but like that is very statistically significant. Teams last year only posted up on average 13 times a game, and you're telling me the Lakers got 17 post-ups out of one guy? Yeah, it's 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 weird, and it's not even an Anthony Davis issue because he didn't convert that well on them. But yeah, eight for twenty-one from the field. The stats suggest like those post-ups are rarely good shots. I mean, it's just like you. It's like part of our like dinosaur old unevolved brain to think like you know like mouse in the house. You got to post up the guy who's three inches shorter than you, and it's not, it's not as effective of a shot. I mean, and and part of the reason it used to be so effective for you know back in the olden days in the nineties when I was a little pup is not only like could guys like Shaq to score like 60 65% of the time but that's the way they got open threes and like that's really what like made their offense totally tick like that without those threes it was still not a great shot right and games were super super slow as well so like well like that's my biggest takeaway like because Andy Davis you know didn't have a greatest game I still thought he looked good and physically it's LeBron James, right? That's the takeaway. Like this team is going to go as far as LeBron, as good as LeBron is basically. And like, we kind of like, I defaulted, I feel kind of silly, like defaulting and thinking this guy's still the best player without, and without Kevin Durant around. Cause he's, he had been the best player. And, and I'll kind of wrote off last year as this injury issue. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's very hard to make, not to even overreact. I mean, it's one game, whatever it's very hard to make the case right now or feel good about the claim that he's still the best player. Yeah. I thought he looked lethargic last night. Uh, There were some possessions and I saw some guys single this out on Twitter as well, but a number of people posted these, but he did look, you know, decently spry defensively. I think he was trying very hard, but, but here's just the bottom line with LeBron. I mean, 18, nine and eight last night, five turnovers didn't shoot it. Great. If they're going to play Anthony Davis at the four and JaVale at the five, they, need shooting from somewhere Contavious Caldwell Pope was god awful last night like I mean 0 for 3 0 for 2 from 3 0 points in 27 minutes you just can't get that type of production uh Quinn Cook 0 for 3 Troy Daniels 1 for 5 and then they get saved because Danny Green has this huge game scores 28 points 7 for 9 from 3 but like without that this is a blowout like this is a total blowout and LeBron he wants to play slower now than he used to, and he wants to pound the ball. And so if you're doing that, but you're also posting up Anthony Davis and you have JaVale McGee on the floor, how is LeBron going to get to the rim and score? Like it's too much, you know, like pull-up jumpers and stuff. And people are like, oh, we don't want LeBron to play point guard. Like eliminate the idea of that position in your mind. He's going to handle the ball no matter what position he is on the floor. It's not about where he is and how he's initiating offense. It's about how he's going to get his own offense if that's the lineup you're playing. And with Avery Bradley, another non-shooter, like it's just, it, it has to be better. They have got to convince Anthony Davis that he has to play the five. Because if that doesn't happen, look, this is going to be a really clunky fit with LeBron and AD, especially if Kuzma's a 30% three-point shooter. Yeah, and, and that's where the age of LeBron comes into to play because two reasons. Like you said, offensively, and I agree with you first off, like, I thought physically he looked better than he did last year. Like even like his body looks better. Like he, I mean, it, it's the longest off season he's had in however many years, you know. So it, it's natural. That's sort of like an underrated thing last year is like coming back from injury, he looked heavier. I think he, I would estimate he lost like ten pounds. He looks better. Um, but you're right, offensively, and maybe that's why they want to play Anthony Davis at the four. They're like, we want to play slow. We want to go some like isolation post ups with either guy. Uh, I don't know. That's a scary way to play. Um, and there, you know, it's like, you really have to be, you know, extremely efficient to do that. And then defensively, like that's where it goes, you know, um, 
people have been writing about Carmelo Anthony's decline and, and that's the reason he's out of the league. And, and I think like it gets ugly for these older stars. Like Kobe Bryant's defense was really bad as he got older. Um, Allen Iverson's was never great. Got really bad as he's Wade, older. I mean, Wade was the same thing. Like no, d- you know, not a, didn't hustle in transition, hunted steals, even Chris Paul, who was a very good defender for his size. Same deal. Like once your hips kind of yeah. go, and and it's, 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 yeah, it's like the, it's like the lethargic play more than like the physical. It's like just laziness, like waiting to cherry pick passes. And look, and LeBron James got away with that for the last few years in Cleveland because they were in the East basically. And they had a terrible defense. The so last year in Cleveland, when they went to the finals, they had the 29th ranked defense. Um, and a lot of that falls on his head just because it was like, you know, he's not trying. And why would his teammates try? Like it screws up their whole rhythm. Uh, you can't get away with that anymore. And, and he maybe tried a little bit, but like those those habits are hard to like snap back in on game one of an 82-game season. Yeah, and I don't think – I honestly do feel like LeBron's defensive issues are, are slightly overblown. It is more – I do agree in a lot of ways with you. What you're saying is that it's more of an effort thing than anything. But, I, I mean, I don't feel super comfortable if like we're saying it's, you know, a seven-game series against let's just take the Clippers and you have to guard one of Kawhi or Paul George every possession down the stretch and – you have to control the offense. Like we've seen him do it, but I don't, I can't say that I feel super comfortable about 35 year old LeBron having that role after an 82 game season in a long playoff. Right. And also playing, he played 36 minutes last night. It's a big game, but he's not going to be able to do that either. I, I got to say though, I'm, I'm really more, I'm not as negative on LeBron, which is kind of unusual just because like I, I tend to be more negative about him. I, I, you said like you liked what you saw to Anthony Davis and like, I agree. Like the skill is there. He said he wants to like hold LeBron more accountable. And it's like, look, man, you came to play with LeBron. Like you got to do a little bit more. Like he's so talented, but it's like he wasn't great defensively last night. I mean, they had no, Frank Vogel like played in, I I can't remember this. I I meant to write this down. So this is going to sound stupid, but like Frank Vogel's lineups and rotations last night, like they had like an all bench unit. Like you should never have, if LeBron and Anthony Davis are both playing in a game, there should never be like one minute of a close game where the two of the, one of the two of them isn't on the court. And he had lineups like that last night. No, like should, the, forget close games. Like they're just not deep enough. Like you need to stagger the minutes and keep one out there at all times. And especially against a team like the Clippers who are, I mean, they are unbelievably deep. Like they, they have they, the three of the four guys they brought off the bench, you know, you're, Harold, Lou Williams, Mo Harkless. Like those guys are starters on a lot of teams in the NBA. Maybe not as a unit, but like, individually and then j michael green gave him really good minutes and again we just talked about this before but like they just paul george hey buddy when your shoulder's ready come on back it's scary it's really scary the lakers that's why you know i'm glad i didn't post like my title prediction because i was like thinking the lakers like if they can get a little something from this you know supporting cast and hit open threes like danny green did um they have that title upside but the margin for error is so small because you're so reliant on these two guys. They're going to have to play, you know, stagger them, play, you know, one of the two for 48 minutes a night for 82 games. What happens if Anthony Davis misses 10 games? Like what happens if LeBron misses 10 games? Like they, they, this could get ugly. Like there's the potential for a title, but there's also the potential for, you know, a five, not 500, maybe 45 win team that fights to get them into the playoffs. You did say that this morning Bovada had not overreacted, correct? And the, the Lakers were still title favorites. Well, it's very interesting because I was looking at Bovada and trying to figure out like how they reacted. Um, for example, you know, the Clippers in general are the title favorites, you know, not like overwhelmingly so. And like in the division, they're projected, uh, they're minus 140 to win. The Lakers are plus 170. It's similar in the West, the Clippers are the favorites. At least on right now on Bovada, the Lakers, it flips. They're the considered the favorites to win the title, plus 300. Clippers plus 320. I don't know if like some big better came in, Rich Paul threw in a bunch of money and like skewed the odds. But clearly, like people still think like I did up until maybe a week ago, like this team has the upside to win a title. And there's this sort of mythology that like come playoff time, LeBron can turn it up a notch and, and be the best player again. Yeah. Do we think? I mean, obviously, I've come out and said before that I'm not a huge Kuzma fan. Yeah, that that's another key, too, because it's like this team watching the game, like this team needs another playmaker, another scorer. And it's not like I thought, like, I don't think Kuzma can be like a three and D guy that they really need because he's not really good at either. Um, but maybe he could be like that 
bench scorer and take some pressure off. I mean, he's going to start. He's going to start. And, and you could say, and and the nice thing about having Kuzma out there is like, look, instead of having to stagger and keep one of the two guys on there at all times, you can keep two out of the three on there at all times and have two scorers out there. I just don't know if Kyle Kuzma's that good, honestly. I, 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 yeah, it's like he's one of those guys who's been on a bad team and putting up numbers. Um, I don't want to say he's like Jordan Clarkson from a few years ago when people thought he was a good scorer, but there's like shades of that where it's like, look, I, it's a lot easier to score 15 points a game on a terrible team than it is on a playoff team. And it does, it does matter that like LeBron clearly likes him. That's important. That's been important to guys their whole career as he's built guys' confidence up and stripped some other guys' confidence down. But you know, I do see a lot of people saying like, well, look, we're going to get Kuzma back and we're going to get Rondo back. And that means LeBron doesn't have to play point guard quite as much. And Kuzma is going to provide that third scorer and shooting. But, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. And again, <laughs> like the guys, the shooting that Kuzma provides last season, full season, he averaged six threes a game, made 30.3%. Um, and Rondo's coming back too. So and Rondo had a decent year shooting last year, but he he's a bad shooter across the board. So. I, you know, watching the game, like watching both games back to back, I was thinking, and we could talk about a little about the Pelicans in a second, but like there's some pieces on this Pelicans team that would, that the Lakers might need. Like they didn't, you know, they did made this big trade. Josh Hart, just say it. Like Josh Hart's a really good NBA player. I'm thinking the veterans too, like switch them now. Like what if, you know, I don't know if you want to transition to New Orleans, but like they have so many players that they're trying to play. And I, I don't know what their ceiling is this year without Zion. Is JJ Redick there for the long haul? I mean, put, they put Redick Derek, Fa- Derek favors would be a good, a pretty good fit for like a bench big for the Lakers too. Yeah. I think they're going to need somebody like that or even like a, a slightly better point guard, like anybody <laughs> like who's like an like it sounds dumb but like like fred van vliet on this team obviously not getting him but like a, a guard who can do something you know score a little um i think helps yeah i think jared dudley will go to the pelicans next but i think jared dudley's gonna end up playing a good amount of minutes i think they need to i never thought i'd say this i definitely didn't think i'd say this after one game and it may just be that the clippers are very 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 good and maybe i've been underselling them a little bit because i kind of was like protecting myself against, you know, Kawhi and Paul George not playing a million games, but they probably need some minutes from Alex Caruso. Like they they probably need And Lakers Lakers fans were really excited about Caruso because he had a good end of the last season. And to not even try him with Rondo out does not bode well for his chances. Yeah, like and it might be a defensive thing. I, I don't know. Like I really don't know. We're not in, you know, we're not in the Lakers practice facility, but like at some point, somebody has to take the ball out of LeBron's hands and they have to be comfortable in those minutes. And again, the Clippers are likely the NBA's deepest team just in terms of their, their quality of their bench guys. Like maybe the Pelicans are deeper, you know, I don't know. But you just can't get crushed in those second and like beginning of the fourth quarter like units. And if you do, you just have no chance. Yeah, because it's like, it's like the, the trend in LeBron's career. He's like, he tr- even when he was on Miami in his prime, he trusts like veterans around him like Mike Miller types, James Jones types. So are they going to go in that direction with guys like Jared Dudley, who's 34, and Dwight Howard, who's 33, and just play extremely slow? Howard actually looked uh, not terrible last night. You know? No, he's fine in, in that role. And Rondo's He's not very good. Yeah, he's not very good. Anymore. But I'm saying, like, if that's the trend they're going in, I don't see how Kyle Kuzma, at 24 and kind of erratic, fits in. I mean, their best lineup is is – and I don't know this to be the case, so please don't hold this against me later, but it just looks, if you're looking at their roster, the best lineup for them to play, if everyone is healthy, has to be some sort of like Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Kuzma, LeBron, AD, right? And, and look, LeBron handles the ball, fine, whatever, but he's technically in the four spot and Anthony Davis is in the five spot. Like we should just eliminate the thoughts of those positions anyway, but those four around Anthony Davis has to be you know, and again, maybe KCP ends up being better. I, I doubt it. Maybe Rondo's better in that spot than Avery Bradley. I, I personally doubt that as well. But at least you have another guy who can handle the ball and get guys shots. But like this whole like JaVale and Dwight Howard playing with Anthony Davis stuff, like, oh boy, if that's happening all year, 
it it could be a struggle, and I don't want I don't want to overreact. You know me. No, and, well. and the Clippers are one of the best teams, and it'll be almost be more interesting to see how they do against like a team like Charlotte. Like, can they just blow them out, or are they going to play these kind of slower, close games and, and maybe drop a few that they shouldn't? Because that's the one thing, and this is I, this is not a unique thought. This is a Heraldus Vulgaris thing for years and years and years. Bad teams want to they try to play really really fast because they want more possessions but in reality that is the way to lower variance because over a larger amount of possessions more talent is is generally going to win out so the more possessions you give the better team the more chances they have to hurt you so if you are bad you want to take the air out of the ball so like for the lakers your point is perfect if they're going to play super super slow then they're probably going to be a bit more vulnerable on a night-to-night basis than they would be if they played a little bit faster. Now, whether or not they're capable of playing faster is just a totally different story. But that's enough about the Lakers. Look, I, here's where I here's where I'm at. Clippers answered the bell for me. Like they looked very good. Their bench looked very good. Kawhi. I mean, obviously we 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 saw it. Like the guy's an assassin. Like he you know scores thirties really good. Lakers. I thought more questions. Probably the more interesting team. You know. Uh, in night one out of that matchup second matchup overtime game can't say that there were probably a lot of people that were excited about it i saw a bunch of people on twitter being like i'm gonna flip over to nba tv to watch the start of this but uh the raptors 130 to 122 over the pelicans but i want to focus on something that you texted me the pelicans played 12 guys 12 minutes or more and I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that because you had some interesting conversations about it last I, night. I don't. I, I think Zion's injury was announced in between our recording, so I don't Correct. think we talked about the full ramifications. They say six to eight weeks. Some birdies that, that you've been hearing say it might be longer. That I I was pondering whether you know they'll play him at all this year, just in the sense of you know talk about thin margins for error. Like they had an outside ch- chance of making the playoffs this year. Um, it's probably not going to happen now. They're so. under. They're under. Got hammered on Bovada the day after. Like I don't know what Bovada did. I don't know if they changed it right away. Like that thirty-eight and a half got beat down so quick. Well, that's why I mentioned JJ Reddick because it's like, okay, we're not making the playoffs this year. Like, what are we really doing? Like, do we really want like JJ Reddick around as the thirty-five-year-old mentor, or can we get something for him? Derek Favors, you mentioned. I think there might be a question at some point too, if they have a really bad season with Drew Holiday's 29, will this team be good by the time he he's still in his prime? I don't know. It might be an extra year or two away. Let's stick on Zion for one second. Cause I, I will say that I, without revealing any sources, again, I'm, I'm not a journalist by trade. We do this podcast for fun. I was texted something along the lines of like, you should see if you could get Zion's 2020 rookie of the year odds, whether that be on Bovada or anyone else, because they are just not that they are expecting him to not be back in six to eight weeks, but if eight weeks rolls around and that knee is, you know, the meniscus tear, he's only 70% back from that. He ain't playing. Right. And what if, what if they're 10 and 20 and um, there's no rush, you don't want to risk their franchise. And there is this sort of PR thing that comes into play where it's like, Hey, same with Ben Simmons, same with Blake Griffin. You know, you could win Rookie of the Year next year, like for, with a full season. Um, it's a little bit more positive press, or at least kicking the can down the road uh, keeps people excited for next year. I don't think there's really much downside to it, uh, although it might start. Like, I already see some of the, like people, like the pessimists, being like, "Look, Zion." Like, <laughs> you know, a couple of friends texted me, "Is this guy Greg Oden?" Um, I sure hope not. You know, I mean, just to be positive, I, I, I sure freaking hope not. <laughs> like, but it's it's it sucks, man. It just it really sucks. And I feel I I wish I could say I feel bad for TNT and all these national media outlets that just were like, for lack of a better term, like whoring Zion out for for ratings and stuff. But like, he was so dynamite in the regular or in the postseason. In the preseason, yeah, and uh, yeah, preseason. What did I say? I said regular season, then postseason, then preseason. Well, you know what? Also, like you know, this isn't like a marquee rivalry against Toronto, but it would have been a great test too, because like Siakam being like this really long power forward, sort of the prototypical size you see at the position. How does Zion play against that? Like, how, was it going to work or not? Can he dominate still? I, I will say this though. I do think I do think there is some. I don't know if urgency is the right word because there really isn't a ton of urgency, but I do think given what we've seen in the restricted in the like restricted free agency market recently, obviously the Pelicans did not reach an agreement with Brandon Ingram. 
I think there's some urgency to get Zion back in the lineup to see what he looks like with Brandon Ingram because you do have to decide if you're going to pay Brandon Ingram. And let's just say Zion doesn't play this year, and let's say B, let's say BI average is like, I don't know, what were his numbers last night? He 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 finished with 22, 5, and 5. 22, 5, but he shot 19 shots. Um, and, and also a trend that I don't like to see from him, um, 19 field goal attempts, only five threes. So you're talking about 14 shots from two. Four free throws. We'd like that to get, but let's, let's just say, let's say he averages, let's say he averages 22, five and five. He shot 40% from three last night, but let's say he shoots like 38% from three and 40, you know, 42% from the field, something like that. Right. If he averages those numbers, how comfortable are you giving him a hundred million dollars when ultimately your best player is supposedly going to be Zion Williamson, but you've never seen him play with Brandon Ingram. Are you comfortable doing that? If you're David Griffin, especially when you're, you're so flexible in the future, but this kind of limits your flexibilities in. Like, I, I think that's an interesting question. Because I also taking it with the, the presumption that he could average 20 points a game and the team could be, as we said, 10 and 20. And it's another situation of like a guy just putting up numbers as the number one option on a number two option on a, on a bad team. Um, I don't know. I, and like we talked, you talked about before the, the idea that they're playing what 12 guys, um, that's it seems like an odd strategy and maybe Alvin Gentry's just like he doesn't want to lose guys early you know um in terms of their morale and so he's like we're all part of this team we're all gonna play and let the let the I like of- Alvin Gentry he's a nice guy you know the, no, the stuff I've read about him he seems I think he was in seven seconds or less and they he seems like a nice guy and and I think but look winning games should maybe it's not the top priority and, and development is but there was a time at the fourth quarter where they had a lead and they were playing um, Frank Jackson, who's a young point guard, maybe promising in the future, and, and Julia Okafor, who has defensive limitations, and, and Siakab was scoring inside over and over again. They lost the lead and ended up going to overtime, and they lost in, in overtime. So, I mean, if, if their plan is to win games, like I think he needs to shorten the rotation, but maybe it's a rebuilding year. Maybe they've kind of thought, you know, they gave it, it's not going to happen. They don't have enough talent to compete in the West. I wonder if they would have played Frank Jackson a bit less if Nikel Walker Alexander, who I, I do, he's I'm very high on that guy. I mean, one for ten last night and one for seven from the from three. And you know, when you're being guarded, you know, the, the two things that were just like unequivocally true about this game, like Fred VanVleet was freaking awesome. Like if he shoots seventy percent, you know, Zan, who cares that there's not going to be any free agents next year? Like that guy's going to get a hundred million dollars. Like that's, <laughs> well, your that's actually who I wanted to talk about too. Cause it's like, he was so good and he's very good defensively. Like he's, he makes it really hard on other guards and I don't think he's going to, you know, obviously I don't think he's going to be this good, but like, man, when he's, he's fun to watch. He just battles. He's like the perfect guy to play with Kyle Lowry. Like you can tell that Kyle's rubbed off on him a little bit. Like, but yeah, that's your boy. Go dance on people's graves because Freddie, man, he's just killing it. I've been hyped about Fred Van Fleet for a while, but there's this perception that like he's a great backup point guard. And I think that that's true, of course. But like, can he be a starter? Will it translate? And and he's doing well. He did well last night with playing alongside Kyle Lowry. But I actually do think he's a starting point guard. I think, you know, in the right role. Like I mentioned, the Lakers are a team that probably would have started him if they if they could figure out a way to get him. Obviously they can't, but like you know, he's like a low end starter and that kind of guy gets what 14, 15 million a year. I don't know. What do you pay? He, him? He's restricted, right? Um, hold on. Uh, look no, I don't up. think so. Cause he signed an extension before he signed like for 8 million a year when he was restricted. Yeah. I wonder if he'll leave, you know, I, I don't or, I don't or, know that he will trade Kyle Lowry and they're like, look, it's your job now. You know, they did give Lowry that $30 million extension or whatever, and it could go up or down based on what happens with the, uh, you know, Chinese impact on the salary cap, if you will. But I do wonder, like, if you're Toronto, this is a guy that's delivered in big, big moments for you in two straight years. And after one game, it's hard to say, like, oh, Freddie's definitely going to be the guy for us. But, like, I think if you're Toronto, it's a guy that you got to be somewhat focused on keeping around, especially because, you know, Marcus Hall, who – I didn't think it was great last night, but on the last possession of the game, like he was old defensive player of the year, Marcus Hall again, like hedged perfectly. You know, I don't know why Josh Hart had the ball, but you know, whatever. It's kind of, you know, neither here nor there. But like, and then Siakam, I know that like the shooting numbers weren't great, but 11 free throws last night, 34, 18, and five. Like, I love this guy, Zan. Like, I know I was high on him last year. But you were early in on him. Like he was so dynamic last night, and just though he just keeps the pressure on you all the time. And 
if you're the Raptors and and this is your first game, and, and the Pelicans are likely not a playoff team, but again, you know, it's tougher on ring night. Like you, you never know how guys are going to react, but like to get that effort from Siakam on night one, I mean, if that's what you're going to get now for the next couple of years, who man, that, that $130 million deal looks really, really good. Like, I think the sky's the limit. Like he, he, I mean, if you see that, no, you see that kind of performance from him. Like he could be a third team All NBA guy this year. No, I definitely think that's in play, but I'm a little more skeptical than you are. Just in the sense, this sense, like he crashes and he spins and he gets his way into the paint and scores um, against Jaleel Okafor. <laughs> like, can smart teams, you know, like I heard the starters now who are now no dunks, you know, on a, the Athletic, they're comparing him to Giannis. And uh, poor man's Giannis, but, you know, can you game plan for Giannis? Can you game plan for Siakam? Can smart teams be like, you know, it's kind of like the Warriors. He had that huge game against the Warriors, and then the next, pretty much for the rest of the series, like they kind of figured out, hey, don't let this guy get inside and score. Um, Does he have that, like, change-up pitch? I don't know. I mean, you know, he's certainly going to rack up numbers in Toronto, and I think he'll get like second or third team all NBA. And you're you're right in the sense of like, you know, it's great when guys are making shots. Like, you know, Van Vliet makes five threes. Like Kyle doesn't shoot it great, but obviously, you know, he played 45 minutes last night. Van, uh, Freddie played 45 minutes last night. But like, if those guys are making shots, you know, sure, Siakam's harder to, to game plan for. He takes it out of the rim. He, he runs the break himself. But Well, you, you didn't answer the question with Van Vliet because – Van Vliet's 25, matching Siakam's 25. So theoretically, they could play together for a long time. How much is Van Vliet worth? I mean, would you say, is he a what starter? What did Corey Joseph get? Like three for 39? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely worth more he's than worth that. Worth more than that. Um, I was thinking about like, it's a weird comp, it's a weird comp maybe, but, um, you know, he's a point guard in the sense that like- How about um, Malcolm Brogdon? Was that's what I was going to say. Malcolm Brogdon's a point guard because he's a good shooter. And he has, you know, he has size, but Van Fleet's just good defensively because he's thick, I guess, and he's smart. So, like, guys who can hit threes, play defense, he, he's not going to rack up 12 assists any night and be dynamic in that way, but he's good enough and a field general. He takes care of the ball. Is he Is he sort of just like a shorter squatter Malcolm Brogdon? You know, he might be for them. I would I would imagine he's, like, somewhere in, like, the three for 45 range. Some, somewhere. Maybe maybe they give him four years. Siakam's got four years as well. Like, the guy that I always – the guy I always think of as, like, the average maybe or maybe slightly below that starting point guard is, like, a guy like Jeff Teague. Like, if you had to win, make the playoffs to save your job, would you take – he got 19 a year. So, like, would you rather start Jeff Teague for a year or Fred Van? Well, knowing what we know now, at twenty five, well, one, one game. I mean, like, yeah, you know. I'd rather have Van Vliet. I mean, just because we've just because we've watched it happen before. You know, Teague, I think, has always been, you know, good, not great. Obviously, in Indy, he had some success, but you know, I don't know. One thing I was surprised about with the Raptors played only eight guys. Terrence Davis was the last guy in their rotation. <laughs> I literally didn't know who he was. So who's un- undrafted guy from Ole Miss? You know, played really well in summer league. Like signed to two-way and then got signed by the Raptors like Denver was really interested in him and then you know the Raptors come and get him and he, he signed a real deal for like eight hundred thousand dollars this year like good for him got he has he got more money than some second round picks did which is sometimes common with undrafted guys but like pretty yeah, impressive I mean, it's amazing that he's in the rotation now and you know they're missing Rondé Hollis Jefferson Wright is not healthy right now he he'll he you would assume would be in their rotation yeah and it was interesting to see like because I kind of thought they'd start Norman Powell they played him 29 minutes. He, did you see him knock up that one long three, the terrible That's shot? So I bad. mean, it feels like Nick Nurse really likes him off the bench. Like, really, like, whereas Dwayne Casey, like, wanted to start him, like, it feels like Nick Nurse just likes him better off the bench. Can you play, can you play Lowry and Van Vliet together for 40 minutes a night? I mean, or, I don't know that they have a choice. Yeah. It, and that's what scares me about They're Toronto. They're not that deep. I, Toronto, like, I came away this game thinking of them, you know, speaking of Malcolm Brogdon, like in Indiana, in a sense that, like, Indiana stayed afloat without Victor Oladipo last year. All props to them. They have a good, good coaching staff and the defensively good culture. Um, but they're not a team that scares you in the playoffs necessarily. And I think Toronto's kind of headed for the same way, like a four, five, six seed loses in the first round. Like, I don't really know a way for them to shake out of that unless I guess Siakam is like, you know, a 25 and 12 guy every night. 
he might be that guy. Yeah, I mean, maybe. It's, it's not inconceivable for how good he is. I, I, I just think that there were a couple things I felt that stood out about the Pelicans last night, too. Just a real quick touch on those, because then I know you have some information for us. But uh, Lonzo, I thought, you know, good, not great. Five assists, five boards, eight points still would like to see. He did make two threes, two for three from three. Would like to see a little bit more urgency from him, but that's kind of not how he really plays. I would be really, really surprised if Nico Melli doesn't just end up taking probably all of Jaleel Okafor's minutes as the year goes on. Four for five for three last night. Kind of surprised Jackson Hayes didn't play. I thought we'd see a little bit of him while they're playing Kendrick Williams 18 minutes a night. But How does it feel to be the 13th guy in a 12-man rotation? Pelicans, I mean, each one more only got 12 minutes for them last yeah, night. Like, that, very, that's the guy who should be somewhere else. Yeah. And again, maybe he, you're right. The Pelicans are an interesting group, just kind of like the Knicks, in the sense that if things go bad, there are a lot of like interesting pieces here that could probably contribute on playoff teams. But, no, absolutely. No, and to last touch on that, because we said it before in the playoff, you know, in the previous, like, they feel like two teams jammed together. There's the young sort of rebuilding, going to lose 50 games team. And then there's like the veteran, let's try to make a playoff push part of the team. And there's like five or six guys on each team that are all on one roster. And I think they're going to start selling off. I mean, it's going to take a month or two maybe, but as soon as they figure that Zion's out longer than they, they anticipated. If, they if we, we should say if, but yeah. And, and another thing too is like, Josh Hart, just not, he's just one of those guys where you just like don't bet against him. You know, he, he was like that in high school. He was like that in college. It's just like, how is this guy good? He doesn't really have a position. And then you look up and last night, you know, gives you 15 and 10. It's just, the it, guy's just a tough, he's just a tough dude, tough mf or if you will. And it's just like, I think the Pelicans need some of that toughness. And it's going to be interesting to watch some of these guys get bigger roles without Zion on the court for the next – I would assume he'll be out the full eight weeks, if not longer. But, yeah, it'll be interesting with them because, like you said, very very weird group of guys to kind of play without that star. Yeah, it's, it's too bad. But um, can, I, can I interrupt you for a second and ask – speak directly to the listeners? Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you got for us. Because I need a favor. And you know I don't ask them for much. Um. And it's only going to take a few minutes, about four or five minutes. Podcast One, who's our host, has a survey. Podcastone.com backslash survey. And Podcast One is spelled O-N-E. And it's about like what shows you're listening to and what shows you'd like to listen to. So selfishly, we want you to go there. Um, you have to click through like the next menu and pick what shows you're listening to, Underdog NBA Show. And these kind of things like do mean a lot to us. It's like Yelp reviews for like a small like restaurant. Like if you have like four or five Yelp reviews, like they matter. People are going to read them. Podcast One's going to read this. If you like our show, please do that. And a little quid pro quo, Trump style. The first 250 people who complete the survey will get a $10 gift card to Amazon.com. Not good enough for you? Well, there's also two people who are going to be selected to get a $100 gift card. So it's $100 for like five minutes. The survey is a little, honestly, candidly, it's a little annoyingly long. Keeps asking you question after question, but you can get through it. You can do it while you're listening to the rest of this podcast because we're going to talk about free agency and stuff. So click through podcastone.com backslash survey. Make sure to click through, click that underdog MBA show and try to make some money. Take a chance. Free gamble. Why not? It is free money. It, you know, it is absolutely an opportunity at free money. Other things that are opportunities at free money, listening to me uh, give tips on Bovada. We did talk about this a little bit. I do have a futures bet on the Nationals that is looking better and better by the day. But there are some guys that don't need free money because they are set for life now. So last week, the extension deadline, I believe, was the 21st. I think it was the 21st. Don't quote me on that. We kind of talked about Jalen Brown and Sabonis and guys like that and Buddy Heald. And I want to talk about some of these extensions that have been signed, especially with all these guys that were restricted free agents, because next year's free agency class is going to be god awful. But let's just start with the biggest one. Uh, Jamal Murray and Ben Simmons both signed five year, $170 million extensions. That was- well, well, the common theme here is like we were trying to predict everyone's salaries. And if you took the over on every single one, you'd probably be right. Like people except are getting- for, except for uh, Sabonis, that one, that one I was pretty close on. But Jalen Brown gets four years, 115 million. Talk to me, Zan. What, what is going on? <laughs> um, I think it's what I said before. It's like he's, even if you don't think he's going to be an all star. 
he's not going to hurt you, right? I mean, he can play defense. He can it seems sh- likely that he won't hurt you. Right. But I mean, in the same way that Brandon Ingram's still such a mystery, like, oh gosh, I hope Brandon Ingram doesn't become Andrew Wiggins. Like that guy's like dragging his franchise into the ground. Who would you rather pay? Would you rather pay Brandon Ingram 115 million or Jalen Brown? You know, I'll say this for the role he's in right now. I'd rather have Jalen Brown just because like I said, like he's, he kind of blends in a little better and he shoots more threes and he doesn't shoot a lot. Last year he shot, you know, 11 shots a game. He kind of like, he doesn't force the issue as much as Brandon Ingram. I mean, certainly in terms of upside. And if you want somebody to potentially be an all-star, you bet on Brandon Ingram first. Uh, so I think, he, I think Brown's like the safer play of the two. It both would scare me though. I mean, they're not clearly at this stage worth 20 million a year. Yeah. I think the Jalen Brown extension is, is rather interesting because I do think that the Celtics are betting on him having a lot more projection left, which we can't possibly know. It doesn't look like he, I mean, he's, he's like a good player. Like that's kind of the, the, where we draw the line here is like, he's just a good player. Like, but I think a lot of people seem to bet. I saw Matt Moore tweet about this, but like you're betting on him being like smart and like a hard worker. And like, there's worse guys to give money to. And like, I don't really like to talk about guys as if they're not individuals and rather if they're assets, but like, this seems like a, this seems like a deal where they do like Jalen Brown and they're okay overpaying Jalen Brown. But like, is he ever in a scenario where he's their third best player? Like, I mean, maybe this year Kemba's, you know, first banana, Jason Tatum's second banana, and then Jalen Brown. But like, you're now paying that guy close to $40 million a year. That seems like, well, you, you said he's a good player, and it's like, I think even calling him a good starter. $30 million a, a year. Boy, I suck at math. Sorry, $30 million a year. I mean, calling him a good player, maybe good starter. He's not, I don't even think he's that yet. I think he's like an average starter. Uh, and so, I, you know, I, uh, it scares you. I mean, how much is he worth? Like his production last year, I'm going to do some quick math here. Also, I should say this. It's likely to end up as a $107 million deal because he does have $8 million in like unlikely incentives to get to 115, which is like MVP, defensive player of the year, or one of the three all NBA teams. And like that seems highly unlikely for those to happen. So they was, those were listed as unlikely incentives. So this actually does track four years 107 on their cap sheet. Yeah. I mean, uh, last year, you know, and he take real plus minus with a grain of salt. But he graded as a minus 1.2 on offense. It's probably a little better than that. Defensively, basically net zero, 0.1. It's probably a little better than that. But they graded him in minus 1.1 player mid-pack among, they call him the shooting guard, uh, which is probably not either. He's not that. But um, yeah, so you're right. And like, look, it, it's, I'm always reluctant to criticize these deals when you know, cause Zach Levine sounded like a crazy bargain. I mean, crazy gamble to me and, and he fulfilled that contract last year. So look, Boston knows Jalen Brown. They've had him in their program for a long time. They should know better than we do, but they're banking on something we haven't seen yet. Yeah. He, this was an interesting one. I think it also, it raises the question, like, are they going to play the season out with Gordon Hayward? Because he does have a $34 million player option next year. So is now Gordon Hayward expendable? And is Gordon Hayward the type of guy that you're moving for maybe uh, you know, a center or something like that, or you, you making Gordon Hayward available because like, you're likely not going to pay Gordon Hayward pass next year anyway. And if he's really good, he's going to not pick up his player option. And you're probably going to have a tough time affording him when you have to extend Jason Tatum next year. So I think this was interesting for a number of reasons. The other extension I thought that was, that was totally fascinating to me was Buddy Heald because we heard that the Kings offered him like 95 million and he was like, no way, I'm not taking that. I'm worth 100 plus million. And he ends up signing for like four years, 94 million. It's a de-escalating contract. So he gets more money next year. This is something that you've always kind of argued for that like you get more money when you're younger. Well, I always argue for, you know, it's ridiculous to me that the guys when they're old, like Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, like should not be paid more when you're 35 years old than when you're 30. It just doesn't make sense. So Buddy Heald, he's 26 now. So theoretically, he's in his prime. Now he should, he should be in his prime for the next life of his contract. And that's why I like this contract because it's like, it's not a Jalen Brown situation. Like if he, we've seen him earn this money, he would be paid that much last year based on his production. He hit 42% of his threes at eight threes a game. Like he's worth that now. Um, and he kind of gets a bad rap 
you know, he's like, cause he's old, he's old, he's older than he said he was. He's old for his age. He's old for his draft class. It's like, okay, well, he's good now. And he's 26 and like paying him till he's 30, unless he's lying about his age again. Like I don't see any real downside. To that. Yeah. You would assume even if he doesn't have as good of a year he had as he had last year, which you could argue is one of the top 10 best shooting seasons ever. That sort of kind of just flew under the radar. He's probably going to be pretty good for the life of this deal. I, I think that one of the things I, the Kings did well here, I thought, because you know, young shooters or, or shooters in their prime, let's not say young, because you're right, you open yourself up to people being like, maybe Buddy's a liar, and this is not how old he actually is. But I bet you the Kings might, and I, and I know that they, this kind of got reported by Real GM, that the Kings were a little bitter at themselves for giving Harrison Barnes the deal they did, because I think they're sort of locked into this group, right? And you're going to have to extend De'Aaron Fox, who people are so high on this year. And, 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 it, and I think he's going to be very good. But then once you do that, and now you got Marvin Bagley, who maybe you can pay him less because he's 6'8 and not 6'11. But like, you've got these guys that are like, well, you're paying Dwayne Dedman, you're paying Trevor Ariza. And, and it's very interesting for the Kings because we expect them to make a jump and Buddy Heald's a big part of that. But now that you've paid all these guys, they better be the guys, Zan. Like, I don't mean to say something that sounds so simple, but it's like, if you missed on that Harrison Barnes deal and he now takes up 20, you know, he takes up 15% of your cap, like, that sucks, man. And they did they did structure this extension specifically with Bagley and De'Aaron Fox in mind. You can tell. Right. Well, I, I thought I honestly, like, I don't think the Buddy Heald contract is a game changer for them because I'm like, I expected him to get paid. He's he's a lock him in at shooting guards. No I think problem. of all the extensions that got signed, ex- with the exception of maybe Brad Beal, like I thought this was the one where the team did the best. Yeah, but it makes you wonder. Bogdan Bogdanovich is are gonna be a restricted free agent. Is it at the end of the road for him? Like, can you pay if he's like a sixth man? Can you pay him fifteen million a year? It's, it's probably not. It's rich, and he probably does. He deserve that. Last year, he scored fourteen points a game. You know, he has got good size for the wing. I actually like him. Um, you know, I mean, he's a starter. I think he's clearly a starting player. Last year, he only shot fifty three percent true shooting, though, which you might think maybe he's overrated. I don't know. I think the Kings are going to be an interesting case study this year because they do have a lot of good young players. Do they have any stars? We've kind of talked in circles around this before, but yeah, you know, eventually as you get better, you got to pay guys. That's just kind of the bottom line. And and I think like he's the most likely cap casualty because, you know, if somebody, let's just say somebody offer sheets him four for 60 at the end of the year, can the Kings do that? And, and I, you know, I don't know, I, you know, you could check early bird rights to, to really kind of dive into it and see, but you know, you're one year away from De'Aaron Fox's restricted free agency. It's very likely that he signs an extension next year prior to ever getting there. Yes, you have Marvin Bagley, but you know you have all these other guys that you, you're paying right now. So it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they... Well, it's such a weak class. Like, how much does Bogdan Bogdanovich get? Like, again, like real plus minus. Who the hell knows if it's real? He graded better than Jalen Brown did. Shot threes better than Jalen Brown did. Same size, height-wise. He's not as long. Um, it, it got reported that it, it, the Sacramento Bee did report that the Kings had offered him a four-year extension worth fifty-one point four million. So four that's for very 50. light to me. And and yeah, and that's the most they can offer right now. And he did have a really good summer with the Serbian national team, and he probably wants more money than that. And that's the most they can offer, like contractually. Right? Or? Yeah, right now. Okay. Right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They, but if this offer's on the table, like he has the whole season to agree to it. So if he has a bad year and they don't pull it off the table, he can still do it. So who are the, who's the big free agent for next year now? All right, here's what you got. DeMar, who we've talked about. I do want, there's two other guys I want to talk about. But DeMar, Mike Conley. What about Anthony Davis, player option? If, if things go really south. You, I brought that up like three times on yeah, the show. I know. And well, you, I, you know, and I had to watch the Lakers once to kind of believe it. Yeah. Now. All right, so DeMar, Mike Conley uh, has an early termination option uh, that he can exercise if he wants. It's $34.5 million. It seems pretty unlikely that he will do that, but he could. Obviously, Brandon Ingram. That's going to be a bit. He, he's going to probably be the guy that gets offered a max. Otto Porter has a player option worth twenty eight million. I don't know if he'll accept that or not. He's still very young, and I think if he shoots it as well as he did in Chicago this to end the season, if he's a forty five percent three point shooter, I mean he can go get himself a hundred million. Bogdanovich, Andre Drummond, we've talked about. He'll get maxed, and Montres Harrell is a really interesting one as well because can he kind of recoup the magic somewhere else? Gallinari, he's a little bit older. Gordon Hayward, like I said, has that player option. I mean, if he plays well, he's certainly not going to exercise it. If he doesn't play well, probably take the $35 million, right? Goran Dragic, Paul Millsap, a lot of old guys. Jeremy Grant's restricted. Joe Harris, 
I think there's going to be some guys in for rude awakenings, depending on their role. Like I'm looking at hoops hype, which I, I usually like the website. It has good information on it. And I, this is subjective on their part, their rankings of the free agents. Like for example, they have Derek favors at 10th. Like, I think a guy like that is going to struggle to get a huge contract just because it's like, who's really looking for a center right now? Like not that many people compared to like Fred Van Vliet's 14. We talked about him already. You could wait out to Marcus cousins. But like a guy like who's I think is going to get more than expected according to this list at least, um, Joe Harris, twenty seventh ranked free agent. He's going to get it. Yeah, uh, he's going to get a good bit. I think that's the thing. Like size, the Derek Favors of the world. It's not your time. You it's, know, it's weird because this group of free agents is like all these kind of a little bit older guys who are coming off. You know, whether it's big or small deals, like with your Haywards or whatever. But like. Auto Porter, same deal. It's all these guys that got extended that were second tier that kind of haven't taken that next jump. And I don't know the teams want to give you, you know, four years, $100 million as another deal, but they signed shorter deals. And again, it does seem like there was some talk that like Buddy kind of signed early because players are a bit worried about this China thing and if it really affects the salary cap. But, but it doesn't sound like anyone actually knows if that's the case. So, and this is just, like I said, that's just pure speculation. The first guy I saw mentioned that was Sam Vecini, and then I kind of dove down the rabbit hole on it. And it, it does sound like there is some level of concern amongst players and agents. But, I mean, at the same time, like, we saw some other, like, pretty fair extensions get signed. Sabonis so gets four for 75. They're going to, now they're, you know, he's lined up right with Miles Turner. They're going to start him and see if they can play together. If they can't, probably Sabonis is an asset for somebody as a, a five-man. He, he seems reasonably paid to me. I think that's a good deal. DeJounte Murray got four for 64, which is really interesting to me because he didn't play last year. So the Spurs could have gotten a steal or they could have overpaid if he's not the same guy. If he can never shoot again, is four for 64 a good deal for a guy like that, Zan? Yeah, I, well, they see, uh, I don't know. I mean, it depends how his shooting is. Like, I, I tend to think perimeter defense tends to be overvalued sometimes. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's overvalued as much as I would argue that I think it's harder to quantify the effect of a yeah because it's I, like I'd rather like I'd rather have wing length on the wing than I would like an on ball point guard. I just don't know who they're really shutting down. Um, the guy that I think is interesting too is like based on numbers, Hassan Whiteside. You know, he's not that old. I think he's going to have like some gaudy raw totals this year, and just like a sorry apologies like a dumb team look at that and be like this guy's worth 20 million a year he's putting up you know three blocks a game 13 rebounds a game um you should you should absolutely say dumb team because like that is how this works like because as you know it's like it's like the wizards in 2016 they had all this cap space they struck out on kevin durant and they spent all their money on andrew nicholson and jan mahimi you know i mean and so it's like if you're going to do stuff like that then you're a dumb team you know it's just who you are and I don't think Whiteside's going to get overpaid because I do think that teams talk. And I think the behind the scenes stuff as with a guy, his age and his effort level that's on camera, I think it's tough. You know? Yeah. Well, and I, he's older than I thought he's 30. And so he could be transitioning into a different phase of his career completely. Um, so yeah, like guys like JaVale McGee, like there's hasn't been a market for him lately in terms of big money. And, Cause wouldn't you rather spend small, like wouldn't you rather spend a higher AAV on like a Marcus Gasol or a Serge Ibaka? Like wouldn't you rather give one of those guys like two for 30 than give Whiteside four years or something? Well, I'll tell you what all the centers in the league are thinking. You mentioned Jalen Brown. I'm, I'm thinking like, do, do the Celtics just want to play super small and just go with four wings? And I'm like, if I'm a center, I'm like, Jesus Christ, you just took away our power forward position. And now you might take away center too. Like, is there a, a life for the seven footers left? I mean, I think length and versatility is much more, is much more necessary than size. Like, I really do feel that way. And I agree totally. Like, you know, and it's not even about like switchability. It's just like, you know, you just don't want to get beat, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, there's, there's not that much like traditional shot blocking and like bulky, like rebounding. There's not that many rebounding necessary. Cause a lot of teams are just punting offensive rebounds. Anyway, you, you literally saw like Dwight Howard came in the game last night and the Clippers ran pick and roll at him like four straight times. Teams are going to do that all year. This is with Boston. Like somebody asked Brad Stevens, like, Hey, who are you going to start at the five? And we obviously don't know that right now. We haven't seen it yet. We'll, we'll know by the time this airs, but you know, if Enos Cantor cannot guard pick and rolls, he can't play in the fourth quarter. 
He just can't. You're just going to get crushed in big games. And that's just the bottom line. And I think yeah, there's like, like certain skills that are just not valued anymore. It's like the twilight zone. You wake up and like attractiveness is measured by your feet or something. It's like, oh my God, like if you have beautiful feet, suddenly you're going to benefit. If you have, if you can street three point shooter like Joe Harris, you suddenly you're worth 15 million a year. And like guys who are good at stuff that no one cares about anymore. It's like a changing economy or something. You know, cause that was always the interesting thing with Enos Cantor. And, and you know, in Oklahoma city, like I, if you remember correctly, and I believe it was Portland at the time, Portland kind of signed him to that offer sheet that they knew Oklahoma city was probably going to have to match. And OKC did end up matching. It was a big deal for him, but everyone was saying like, if all you had to do was score and rebound, Enos Cantor might be the best big in the NBA. And I don't mean to even be critical of him. Like, it's just he's the name that comes to mind because... No, totally. And you know the guy that I'm thinking of, actually? It's like, you talk about, like, that's why I tend to say, like, hey, look, Steph Curry might be the best player in the NBA just because the one thing he's exceptional at is the most important skill in the league, right? I had, like, a long conversation with, like, a current college basketball head coach about why he didn't feel like Steph Curry was the best player in the NBA because he was like, you know, he doesn't really... He can't really play defense. Like if you put him in the gym with like LeBron or Kobe Bryant or Kevin Durant, like he can't beat those guys because they can guard him and he can't guard you. And I was literally like, that is insane. It's a team sport. He makes you harder to guard than anyone else in the NBA, with the exception of maybe Kevin Durant. Maybe but, Kevin Durant. No, but you know, it's funny because like Steph Curry, like obviously not at all skills are created equal. Three-point shooting is probably the most important now. Rebounding, I think, is becoming one of the least important. And I think of like a guy like I think one of the historically good rebounders, I would like to look at the numbers. It's, it sounds like a silly thing, but like Reggie Evans was one of the best rebounders I've ever seen. I looked up the numbers just now. He averaged an incredible amount of rebounds. Last year in the league, when he was an old man, he got two offensive rebounds a game in 16 minutes a night. He was a great rebounder. And no one cares. It's like this year, like we know. And if you could bet on this on Bovada, like you go in and you say that Andre Drummond's going to lead the NBA in rebounding and it's going to happen. It's just the bottom line. Like, and the, the Pistons are likely not going to be very good. And part of that's because we're not going to see Blake Griffin until mid-November. Oh, that's, but a, like, it's a, that's one last thing. Blake Griffin out. It really hurts. I took them in the wins draft with my heart. Never go with your heart in a wins draft. That's how you lose. I, I just wonder here, and again, we'll know more by the time we record next week. And we'll have a, you know, we'll have a number of games for each team to talk about. But when you look at teams and how they're built, the Clippers – they just seem like the perfect NBA team from a roster standpoint, with the exception of one thing. Maybe they don't have enough three-point shooting, but it might not matter because they do have two guys who are legitimate superstars who can score from anywhere on the court, and they do have a big-time bench. But if you look at yourself and you, and you look at the teams, you're like, okay, who can win the title? One big concern with the Jazz, they don't have a wing defender because in the West, you're going to have to go through – James Harden, LeBron, Paul George, Kawhi, like Dame Lillard, like you got to be able to have. Royce O'Neal, I like Royce O'Neal. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's the guy to guard your kind of like supersized wings, but yeah, Royce O'Neal, I think is funny. They remeasured everybody, of course, and he came out at six four in in socks. Yeah, you know, so maybe he guards James Harden, but like at the same time, we kind of both agree with this, and I'll even lump Kevin Durant in this category. But like the teams that generally win, and this is a kind of a knock on my Houston Rockets are the best team in the history of the NBA thing, but like you generally have a wing scorer and that's, I I would lump Harden into that category as well. But then you also kind of have a stopper, whether it be Andre Iguodala or Kawhi Leonard, or, you know, maybe it's Thabo Cephalosha or Andre Roberson, whatever. Like you generally have a guy like that. And so the Clippers, they have the two probably best wings other than LeBron and the two best wing defenders. And it's like, you look at this and it's like, here's what I think the Lakers have to sell out to get Andre Iguodala, I think. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he hasn't shown up. For, I mean, how many minutes? He'd be helpful in the playoffs. I just don't what know about how, if how much. Port, what, if, what if like Portland got Andre Iguodala? No, you know what? That That's a great point to end on maybe. Because, you know, a lot, you we talk. talked about, well, we talked about, um, you know, our predictions and we did the win draft and everything like that. And I just wrote a big thing about predicting records. Um, and I think you'd agree like Utah and Houston, I think are going to have really good records and Milwaukee, of course, in, in the East, like who's going to win the title. I, we haven't said, and I, I think partly the reason it's so hard to say is because I think there's so many of these teams that are a move away. Um, like as you're referring to, like the Lakers might be two moves away, but like they have an, another move in the tank of maybe it's a Kuzma trade, whatever it is. Maybe it's a buyout signing of JJ Reddick. Maybe it's buyout signing of Chris Paul. I don't know. Like, those dudes aren't getting those dudes aren't getting bought out. They have to Paul, go get a hundred million dollars. 
Um, I res- I respect I respect your uh, your like want or need of chaos. I love it. I really do. Like, do you want to? Is it too hard to say? Do you want to make an official title prediction to end on, or is it impossible because we don't know what these final rosters are? I uh, I don't know. You know, I think the Clippers are the closest to a completed product. I think that second tier, like I do think, like I said, Utah could use another wing. I just don't think, I don't think like Jeff Green is the answer there. I, I don't know that if, I don't know if like Royce O'Neal is ultimately going to be the answer. I do like the Rockets adding Cephalosha, but again, can he be relied on in major minutes? I'm not sure. Like I said, the Lakers, I think they definitely need another ball handler. I think they're really light on shooting, but I also do think the right coach with the Lakers could make a big difference. You know, Philly, I, I worry about their wing depth as well, even with a guy like Harris and Ben Simmons who can guard some better wings. And then, you know, the Bucks, I, I kind of worry about Eric Bledsoe. That's the big one for me. I I would pick the Clippers. Gun to my head today, I would pick the Clippers. That's that, I'm glad you, did. you made a pick because it's so hard. And it's I wonder if that would have been your pick before opening night because they did look. I don't hard. know. They just look so good even without Paul George. And like it's not like Paul George is some square peg round hole type guy. It's like Paul George is one of like the easiest guys to integrate. You know, like he can play the three. He can play the four. Like he's not happy when he has to play the four, but – he can make shots. He can handle the ball in transition. He can guard the other team's best player. It's like, I, it, well, you know, well done, Steve Ballmer. Like, well done, Lawrence Frank. Well done, Doc Rivers. Like, they, they look like the right type of team to win the title. It's only disappointing that the, the Warriors broke up because Clippers Warriors would be really, really fun. Yeah, no, totally. And uh, yeah, that has to be the smart money right now. And if you can still, I don't know if you want to bet it because the odds on Bovada plus 350. <laughs> Still, I don't think it's that, you know, it's not like last year. Remember, we talked about this last year, the the Warriors were like minus 150 to start the year or something like that. I mean, that means you bet 150, you make $100, not worth it. So you get three to one on the Clippers if you do feel like they're the best team. But And I do still feel pretty comfortable in what we said last year. Obviously, you know, KD gets hurt. I don't think Toronto has a prayer in the world if KD stays healthy, but, it, you know, it is what it is. It happened. Uh, two other things I'll mention, Clay Thompson. The Steve Kerr did say they expect him to be out the entire year. Now we'll we will see if that ends up coming true, but kind of interesting to note if you're very high on the Warriors as Zan and I have been, maybe you know we're not as high on them to win the title. And then Brad Beal, he was probably the biggest piece. I think people were like, oh, he might be available. He signs a two-year, seventy-two million dollar extension with the Wizards. I told you at the time. I've said it over and over on the show. The Wizards were very confident that they'd get an extension done with Beal. I know some people that said Beal really wanted to be there. Uh, it is officially a player option in the third year, so it's. I love that. I love that personally. I mean, just those last thing. It's like, like there's this idea. Oh, let's tank. Let's get some young talent. Like, you could give me four or five top ten picks, and I don't think I'd be confident that I could find the next Bradley Beal. Yeah, so, and it's an interesting. It's an interesting discussion because it's like, do you just kind of burn it down? And because like with the Wall deal, you don't know. But here, here's what this deal looks like to me, right? He cannot be traded midseason now, this this year, by the way. So we don't need to speculate on Brad Beal at all. He is totally off the market. He's not going to be traded. All the people that said like Beal and Wall didn't get along, it's very clear that Beal signed this extension to play with Wall next year, like to see like, all right, is John done or can I go out and, and win games with John? I, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. because Or, if or not, he wants a lot of money. Right, because that's the other thing too. If he makes All-NBA one of the next two years, he can sign the richest contract in NBA history when he doesn't get his player option, when he turns down his player option. So that is also true. He can sign like a $300 million deal or something for $200 million. The, the big shoe, like I, the reason I have so much trouble making the, my final title prediction, I'm waiting for other moves to be made, like JJ Redick, I think to the Lakers would be nice, or JJ Redick to any contender. And Gallinari, I think if, if he gets traded, if the Oklahoma City don't make a run to the playoffs, like, that's a huge difference maker. I mean, and he fits with so many teams. I mean, anywhere, Milwaukee, Portland, Houston. I mean, like that could be the difference. I don't know how crazy this year's trade market's going to be. I think it's going to happen because it's like, I think New Orleans is going to be a seller. I think um, teams like Cleveland, I think they're going to try to trade Kevin Love if they can. I, I, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of teams that are like, have this, you know, Oklahoma city. Like I actually think they're going to be pretty good if they stay together, but what if they're 10 and 12 and 10 and 14? Like, what's the point? 
Quick little thing across the wire. Josh Gordon placed on the injured reserve. Are the Patriots currently Super Bowl favorites? They did just trade for Mohamed Sanu, and then they just put Josh Gordon on the injured reserve. So oh, He's on the injured reserve. Um, is Tom Brady done? Should we start talking about that? Can Tom Brady not throw the ball downfield anymore? You know, it's crazy. I think I texted you this. Like The Patriots defense, which was supposed to be kind of worse this year. They lost Flowers. So, so um, good. It's they're like- averaging more fantasy points than Christian McCaffrey right now. It's ridiculous. I, I think I saw something like, you know, and it, we, we argue about this a lot, but like you can only beat who you play. And like the Pats have outscored their opponents by like 175 points. They've out this year's Pats team, 2019 New England Patriots through seven games has outscored their opponents by more games than the 2007 New England Patriots outscored their opponents. Well, you know, it's funny. Like this you know Pats what? offense looks terrible. Can I can I tie it together? Because Brady still looks pretty much the same. That they're limited until he's not but, good, he'll be fine. You know what but I mean? But I think like, honestly, like you might have to cut this because this might be too long winded. But I think success of Tom Brady, like the immortality, seemingly made us think that LeBron James is going to be the same guy until he's forty, and it's just a different sport. And maybe he might be. I mean. I don't know. And there's some signs of decline more so than I think Brady. Brady's probably, what, 90% as good as he was before? Yeah, I don't know. The one thing is he doesn't really throw it deep anymore. But like LeBron, I, I mean, the guy is going to play the most minutes in NBA history. And like I said, until until we see that like last night is who LeBron is, like I'm not counting him out from averaging 25 no, next week, again. Next week's podcast will be, be great. Uh, yeah. How LeBron's the best player in the league because he scored 40 and 20. And and, and again, like I said, I, I don't actually think it's more, and we'll just tie this all together and then I'll do my thing and we'll get out of here. But like, I think this is more a functional, I would say, I think this is more of a clunky like fit than it is like LeBron or Anthony Davis not being as good as we think. And I think they're going to figure it out. They, they have to, unless Anthony Davis is just the most selfish guy on the planet, which perhaps he is, I don't know. Because LeBron is not changing. So the thing is, like, LeBron's going to sit AD down and be like, look, man, this is my team. We're going to give you $250 million next year. Like, play the freaking five, and we'll both be really good. And I think that'll ultimately happen. But I think that that's... A the- lot of listeners, I would say, are wondering why we're having so much trouble wrapping this up, is I wanted to give people extra time to finish the survey. It's a kind of a long survey. I, I kind of misled you about how long it was. Podcast1.com backslash survey. Uh, I want you to get that free Amazon money, okay? Keep clicking. Keep clicking. It's not that long. I'm just kidding. It's like three, four minutes. Before we leave, I'm at CYS Tyler on Twitter. He is at Zan underscore Ellison. Tuesdays, my other show, Create Your Shot, Learn How to Become a College Basketball Coach. If you like what you hear, rate us, subscribe, leave a review, shoot us up the ranks, uh, go Nationals. <laughs> and uh, Zan, we'll be back next week. As always, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news.